Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates on this trade deadline special reaction spectacular. We have the whole crew here. So Mike, Haley, Lauren, what's up, everybody? Happy deadline day to all those who observe. Um, I'm excited to talk about what transpired today. I had a good time um, following everything today from where Kevin Weeks is breaking news from to, uh, you know, the moves the Bruins made and other teams as well. So it's a good day for me in and out of court, but always checking Twitter. So there we go. Yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time discussing this. Uh, but Kevin Weeks was the absolute star of trade deadline weekend slash day. Uh, he uh, was already a great follow on Twitter, but this was next level stuff with the videos. So we'll definitely get into that in a little bit. Hales, about yourself? I am just hoping my Wi-Fi stays with us this whole episode. We're under severe thunderstorm warning and a tornado watch. That might be backwards, but one of those for each. And I think the rain's about to hit. So hopefully it's not too bad. We're hoping that uh, the storm is not too bad for you over there, Hales. But yeah, we're, a lot for us to cover here. There's been a, a little bit between episodes due to uh, you know rescheduling and then just kind of pushing things back because we wanted to wait until the trade deadline came and went. And I think that was the right decision. We got plenty to talk about here. So stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And for our opening face-off, uh, you know, Hales, will stay with you. Um, do you have any opening thoughts here as we kick off the trade deadline spectacular? Just want to say to all of our listeners that we all know this is not my forte. So don't be mad at me if I don't know a whole lot when it comes to this. Um, but there was a Flyers move that I did call. So pretty excited about that yeah we we will leave all of the analysis of the Claude Giroux trade to Hales uh a who played exactly 1,000 games as a flyer was honored for his 1,000th game and was traded immediately after uh finished with exactly 900 points in those 1,000 games so it was kind of very very symmetrical uh you know start to finish for Claude Giroux's career so uh, we'll be sure to touch on that in a little bit Lauren, about yourself, any opening face-off as we get this episode started? Yeah, last weekend I was reminded that the world is not all gone to bad words because I went to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Worcester with Derek and a bunch of our friends, and I, I don't carry a purse. I am I'm dumb for not doing so, but I ended up in classic Lauren fashion. Uh, dropping my debit and credit card in a crosswalk in, on Park Avenue, Worcester, and a lovely couple found it, and they tr tracked me down on Instagram and was able to return it to me. So just shout out to them, shout out to good people, and I hope good karma follows them for the rest of their lives. That's awesome. That's a really cool story. Um, you know, great to see good people out there. And then in general, Worcester, Massachusetts uh, gets a bit of a bad rap from people. Uh, it's actually... Yeah gotten a lot nicer in recent years. I really enjoy Worcester. A lot of good bars and restaurants out there. Uh, and the Woo Sox are out there as well. Uh, that's a, a nice summer stop. Everyone stop by and, and see Derek and Lauren at Woo Sox games. Uh, but yeah, I am. I, I'm a big fan of Worcester. So very not very surprised that good things happened to you over there in Worcester over the over the weekend, Lauren. 
Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Any opening face-off thoughts for us as we kick off this episode? Oh, certainly. And as this was going to be my opening face-off last week, so it's a little stale by now, but I still needed to get it in there. One of my favorite pastimes of this season has been talking trash about the NHL schedulers and how horrible so many things have been this year. And in what world do you make there be a day during the NHL season where there is only one NHL game on and it is the Coyotes and the Senators? It was a, it was a Monday night. I get it. It's fine. But like, you know, you have, you have the heritage classic and the, um, you know, the Nashville game, which are competing against other NHL games. And then weeks later, you have the Coyotes against the Senators. The only thing that, that NHL fans can watch um, be better. Yeah, I totally agree there. And also another, another kind of point is, listen, today was trade deadline day, as we're going to discuss in a bit. There were a lot of deals made, uh, not only today, but also over the weekend. And, you know, travel is not exactly operating on a, you know, efficient manner at the moment. So having games on the night of deadline day seems like a dumb idea. I feel like that's something, you know, you know, as we harp on NHL schedule makers, you should not have games on deadline day because, you know, there are players who could be moving around suddenly, you know, God forbid someone swings a deal and they have to call up, you know, AHL players on an emergency basis you know, it just seems like a better idea to not have games you know, on trade deadline day. So, you know, maybe that's something that the NHL does in the future. But, yeah, that schedule making has been very rough this year. and We have harped on it quite a bit on this show. Uh, as for myself, um, obviously, this milestone itself is a little bit dated. But Alex Ovechkin uh, did pass the wonderful, the amazing Yarmir Yager. Uh, over um, over the past week uh, in career goals. And Yager congratulated him with a video that almost seemed like a little bit of a threat. Uh, if you watch the video, uh, and I mean that jokingly, of course, uh, Al, uh, you know, Yarmir Yager basically said, hey, you know, Ovi, congrats on passing me in goals, but, you know, I haven't actually retired from hockey. So, you know, y- Yarmir Yager, that man is the eighth wonder of the world. He quite possibly could, even at his age, step onto an NHL ice surface and score a a goal or two. So Ovi, don't rest on your laurels. You know, even though you're probably ticketed for 900 goals, as long as Yager is still ticking, uh, you know, he could always come back. And I hope he does. That'd be wonderful to see. As anyone who's listened to this program regularly knows, Yarmir Yager is my favorite hockey player of all time. So that was a cool little video. And, you know, even if Ovechkin isn't completely threatened, I think like a little bead of sweat developed on his forehead when he saw that video. So, uh, but congrats to Ovechkin as he, you know, at this point is approaching 800 goals by, you know, by next season, he'll definitely be there. And, you know, Gretzky at 894 is it's on the horizon. You know, he has a, definitely has a chance to do it. So with that being said, did want to roll into what will be, you know, our, our main news topic um, uh, related to the PHF. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, you know, some women's hockey here before we roll into uh, the trade deadline. We have a lot to cover uh, for the NHL trades that were made today. But for anyone who has been, who has not been following the developing issues between uh, the PHF and the PWHPA, uh, which is the Professional Women's uh, Hockey Players Association, uh, 
there, you know, we've always talked about the PHF, but we have not really mentioned the, the PWHPA quite a bit, probably because that's a very long abbreviation. Uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of letters there, uh, but you know, there, there are two professional women's hockey leagues and historically there has been some tension between the two. Uh, you know, they, the, you know, fans would like to see these leagues consolidate uh, and have, you know, the best, uh, you know, women hockey players in the world, uh, you know, operate under one umbrella, like we see in the National Hockey League. Uh, however, that's not the case. So over uh, this, uh, these past couple of weeks, uh, you know, the PHF has basically, you know, got, gotten to the point where they're, you know, they're, they're trying to move forward. They have a, a $25 million investment that we talked about from their board of governors and there was recently a new ownership uh, of the Toronto Six announced. Uh, so Hockey Hall of Fame member Angela James, uh, who had been involved with the tr- uh, Toronto Six, is now part of the new ownership group of the Toronto Six. And just before the, the PHF announced this sale um, you know, officially, she posted a lengthy note on Facebook in which she accused the PWHPA of basically stunting the growth and the development of women's hockey because of its refusal to to merge. Um, And essentially what she said was, right now I'm so disappointed in the PWHPA. Whose interests are you trying to protect? Why can't you work out these differences instead of suppressing and handcuffing the elite women's athletes in the progress of the program already made? Women's hockey is bigger than the PHF and the PWHPA. Together we can make history. Um, So this rift is very notable. And very recently, the National Hockey League is trying to essentially become a third party to, to mediate and, and have these two groups meet and, you know, and try and initiate a discussion that can, you know, ease the tension and hopefully close this rift and, and lead to a reconciliation. Obviously, that's not something that would happen overnight. It would certainly take time. Uh, but Lauren, I'd love to start with you first before we uh, go to the rest of our line mates here. Get this seems like a very tense situation that, uh, you know, it's the first time we're referencing it on this show. Mainly we've just talked about the growth of the PHF itself, but you know, there is another, uh, you know, group out there and it, it seems like the, this, it doesn't seem like there's a, a resolution in sight here anytime soon. No, it's certainly, it certainly doesn't seem like it. And like you said, it's, it's going to take time and it's going to be slow moving, but I think it's at the end of the day, I think this is kind of a, a good thing for everyone. I think that if you can put this aside and try to just focus on growing the game and it's, it's been such a slow process anyway, and trying to grow women's hockey. And I do think it's made strides over the last two years in particular. And I still think it's, they're doing great things this year with kind of putting the playoffs in Tampa and just being you know, just kind of marketing through the NHL in some ways, just wearing the jerseys and small things like that. But, you know, it goes so far beyond that. It goes so far beyond your NHL affiliated team wearing those jerseys. Like they, everyone needs to just start fresh, put everything behind them, come to the table on a clean slate and just work it out. And I know that's so much easier said than done, but if they can at least start there, that's, that's a good start. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, this we've noted on multiple episodes, the progression that the PHF in particular has been making. There is there's money uh, there. There's investment being uh, you know tied up in this league. Expansion is happening. 
you know, this, if offenses can be mended, this is the perfect way to continue that expansion. And, and you know, with the very, very skilled uh, women's players that are uh, involved in the PWHPA, you know, that could be the fastest way to get you to nine, 10 teams and really, uh, you know, get this kickstarted. Uh, because there are a number, I mean, a number of uh, w- women's, uh, you know, the, the U.S. Uh, Olympic t- uh, women's team uh, were PWHPA members. You know, the, they, they weren't going back to PHF, uh, you know, contracts. So there is, if these two sides can, can mend these fences, there's an opportunity to really grow, the, grow this league and, and, you know, build a, a lot more excitement in the sport. Um, but again, it's not going away anytime soon because, uh, you know, you know, that statement from Angela James that drew a direct response from PWHPA advisor Liz Knox, who you know who responded not directly to to James, but uh, you know everyone for in the social media term it was a subtweet um, and uh, basically said uh, management coaches and front office etc. Speaking on behalf of the players' experience instead of supporting the true voice of the players is exactly why the PWHPA was formed basically saying, you know, we have the best interests of the players at heart. So Mike, I know that, um, you know, that when you have mediation involved and, and most likely lawyers involved, uh, things can always get a little bit messy, you know, what type of recourse, you know, do you see in a situation like this, you know, do, does an arb, do you think an arbiter would have to get involved? Uh, you know, what is your overall take on this situation as it stands right now? Yeah. And that's my worry is that, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, in their Twitter sphere, whether that's what the NHL is trying to be. I think the NHL is just trying to strike while the iron is hot on women's hockey coming off a strong Olympics and saying like, look, we love this game too. I don't know that they would be the best partner or the best mediator or anything like that to try to, you know, to get this over the finish line. I would say, and I know we've discussed this with the MLB lockout quite a bit. Um, when it comes down to a, a you know a disagreement or or tensions between players and front offices and you know the 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 bigwigs, I'm always firmly in the camp of the players, so I completely understand um, where they're coming from. I think I think that this is a moment, right, where it's it's. You do have a little bit of momentum, though. You do have that coming off the Olympics, like what the NHL is seeing, because it's true that it would be fantastic to get this over the finish line and get the best product on the ice that is possible. That's what I'm rooting for, but not at the, uh, you know, not to the detriment of any of the athletes involved. I want all of their, um, you know, any grievances or any, um, hiccups to be addressed and addressed well and you know I mean I don't I don't know too much about the inner workings of these you know I'm, I'm a relatively new um women's hockey official you know not a, I'm not an aficionado you know just a fan so um you know I'm just excited to that hopefully there will be some movement but we'll see if it if the if the sides can reconcile yeah it, it well said. And again, this is, you know, any sort of reconciliation too. We're not talking about like a, you know, okay, these sides agree. uh, We're going to consolidate, you know, you'll assign players to, you know, to the pride and to the six and to the whale or like it's, that's, that's not what's going to happen here. You know, any sort of reconciliation would most likely then start 
you know, a multi-year process to consolidate these two groups and uh, potentially accelerate, uh, you know, league expansion. So this is not something that just, uh, you know, someone waves a magic wand and it goes away. But like you said, hopefully we can have actual mediation. The NHL uh, certainly is not skilled to lead this mediation. Gary Bettman, uh, despite, uh, you know, his status as a commissioner of the National Hockey League, uh, as he's pointed out many times, he's not a lawyer. Uh, so he, he's not uh, someone who should be overseeing this. So, you know, hopefully the NHL uh, can at least get them in a room together and, uh, and, and you know, try to, to move, uh, you know, get this going in motion. Uh, you know, it's actually funny, too, before we move on to Haley, that you referenced the MLB lockout because it's been about two and a half weeks since we recorded. So the last time we recorded, not only was the lockout still going on, but there was no actual like light at the end of the tunnel. We didn't know that we were getting close to a resolution there. I just find that funny that uh, it's been about two and a half weeks since we recorded. So uh, we have baseball again and Trevor Story's playing for the Red Sox. It's, it's fantastic stuff. Um, but uh, Hales, I want to go to you next uh, to see what your thoughts are on, you know, this rift between these two groups and, you know, what do you think it would mean for, uh, you know, women's hockey as a whole, again, because, you know, this, this group does have some of the very best uh, women's hockey players uh, in the world. And, you know, they're not in this growing league at this point, you know, this union, this really needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, I want what's best for the players, right? Like I want to make sure that the players are taken care of and this growth keeps happening because, we need more teams, right? I mean, there's very few teams when you really look at the PHF. I want more. So if this is definitely a way to go to get it, then, you know, I hope that they can come to an agreement pretty quickly. It's not going to be easy. I mean, you look at all the other sports, the lockout, even the, the lawsuit with the women's USA soccer and the kind of mediation that they had to go through just to, to come to an agreement. And that took years. So, you know, you just don't know how long this is going to take. But in the end, all I want is for women's hockey to just keep growing at a fast pace that it is. Get more people watching. Get it on TV. I'm really excited for the future of it. And, you know, excited to see where this goes. There are some pretty incredible players that played in the Olympics that I'd love to see, you know, on a team and be able to watch them pretty regularly play. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. And, and, and again, th- this, this is not any of us advocating for, okay, one side just completely cave and, uh, and, and merge with the other. I mean, the, there are, uh, you know, as noted, uh, the PWHPA, you know, they're, they are specifically a players, uh, you know, players facing organization and, uh, and they're looking out for the best interests of their players. Whereas the PHF, you know, they are ruled by the board of governors. Uh, you know, they have been pouring capital into this league, but there, you know, were rumblings that the players were not uh, made aware of, uh, you know, the, the most recent changes, despite the the large investment um, in the, you know, so you know, you have collective bar- collective bargaining agreements. We just dealt with that in baseball. So any sort of agreement does need to be for the best interest of the players. So hopefully that can take place. Obviously, the PHF is dealing with. Uh, they need to you know, name a new commissioner, a new uh, deputy commissioner. Uh, they've partnered with Octagon Strategic Development uh, in order to do that. So they, you know, they have a search committee looking for their next commissioner right now. Uh, I'll just put it out there. I'm interested in the position uh, if, if you guys want to give me a call. Um, but it, so it, there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the PHF itself 
um, uh, much less this merger. But hopefully we see uh, you know, some, some movement here soon because it really would be fantastic for the sport uh, if you could see all the very best players uh, in the world in this league, especially with the, the, you know, the new television distribution, uh, you know, especially the deal with ESPN+. Plus. So we're really hopeful that this can continue to develop. And you know, as there have been developments in this story and as there will continue to be developments in this story, we'll be sure to talk about it on the pod. But in terms of, you know, just overall hockey news, that was kind of it for, uh, you know, for, for because, you know, the big focus is on uh, the trade deadline. And we are going to go back to the PHF towards the end of our show to do our, uh, our Isabel Cup playoff preview because the Isabel Cup playoffs are this weekend uh, over in Tampa. It's very exciting. Uh, but in the meantime, we do have the NHL trade deadline. It, it was it was real and it was spectacular. Uh, it, and anyone who's a nineties, uh, person will understand that reference, um, dating myself quite a bit there, but a lot of moves happened over, uh, you know, really over the past week, but specifically over the weekend. And then today, uh, even after the 3 PM trade deadline, there were apparently there were like 30 trades in the queue at uh, the NHL league office. So like trades weren't being announced until like 5.30 p.m. because they were in, they counted, but they were still in the queue. And so uh, you needed the trade call to happen and uh, the league to sign off on it. But yeah, so there were just a ton of moves today. So I wanted to, uh, to you know, start off with, uh, with Lauren and then Mike. Uh, you know, what deals that, uh, that have been announced here really stuck out to you? Uh, you know, what teams were, you know, the, the winners of the deadline? Who were the losers? And, you know, we're definitely going to talk Kevin Weeks at this point, uh, at some point here as well. But uh, Lauren, we'll start with you first. Uh, you know, what really stood out to you about this trade deadline? Yeah, Kevin Weeks won the trade deadline. Like, talk about winners and losers. He won. It started with the haircut. He's doing trades inside, like, one of those smaller recycle bins over his head. Just absolutely awesome. He was great. Um, but I really liked what the Wild did, getting Flurry and then getting Middleton as well from San Jose. Um, the, the wild were really good before this deadline and they just became a lot better and you get a Vesna winning Stanley cup winning goalie just to add to that roster. It it's really good. I, I do enjoy what they did. And I also like what the red wings did. I think that they getting rid of Nick Letty, it certainly isn't, it's, it sucks, but he just become a rental and he, they get, uh, who they get, uh, Oscar Sundquist, I believe, was the mm-hmm. other one, the big name that they got too. So they're, you know, they're turning a corner and they turned a corner this year. I think that it only becomes a matter of time until they're competing with the Bruins and the Maple Leafs for maybe that third or fourth spot. Well, it won't be this year, but, you know, it's, it's coming and it's been pretty fun. And losers, I think the Coyotes were really, I, I don't want to say dumb for holding on to Chikrin because holding on to him until the off season, it, it makes sense, but they still have Phil Kessel and I don't know why they didn't move him for like whatever reason. I mean, coyotes are bad to put it politely and Kessel probably could have helped the team. Um, and I don't, I don't want to call, I don't really think the Bruins really won or lost the trade. I think that what the, the move with for Hampus Lindholm was really good, but I don't, I just think they were kind of neutral because they definitely needed help on the forward lines and they didn't get any help there, but they did bolster their defense, which was needed, but they still needed more work to do, but it certainly wasn't 
a terrible deadline by Sweeney, but it also wasn't a great one. Um, and my abs just continuing to, to kill it. They're going to, they're going to win the Stanley cup against our Bruins. So <laughs> Roxy does not approve. Apparently <laughs> Roxy, uh, Roxy either agrees or disagrees. We're not quite sure. <laughs> I think she disagrees. we will have to talk to her about that later. But I mean, yeah, I, the, so the move, uh, for the, the wild to get, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. That actually came on the heels of a about a week ago. There was talk that Flurry just didn't want to move. Uh, like he was comfortable just sticking out in Chicago, which on the surface didn't really make sense because he's. It's not like he's signed for another couple of years and he wants to you know sit through their you know their rebuild. Um, you know, and you know he's younger. Like it's the opposite. He's not signed uh, through this uh, past this season. He's uh, probably doesn't want to sit through a rebuild, and he's not younger. Um, and then there were reports a couple of days ago that Toronto was trying to get Marc-Andre Fleury. And that would have been big because Marc-Andre Fleury is probably one of the few guys who can break the Maple Leafs uh, postseason futility, uh, break that curse. Uh, they've had awful goaltending uh, in the playoffs in bad moments. Everyone remembers James Reamer uh, just kind of sitting there uh, after Patrice Bergeron scores the game winner uh, in game seven in 2013. It's been just uh, failure after failure for Toronto. Marc-Andre Fleury definitely would have helped that. And supposedly that deal fell through before Toronto could even, or Chicago even approached uh, Fleury about waiving his no movement clause to, to Toronto. So we're not sure if he would have accepted it. If he were smart, he would have said no. But, uh, you know, fast forward, uh, he accepts the trade to Minnesota today. And I really like that return for Chicago. They basically could get, they have a, they get a second round pick that could become a first if uh, the Wild make it to the conference final and Flurry wins at least four uh, games in that process, which I, I, I know Cam Talbot's still there, Flurry's most likely going to be their starter, uh, you know, especially as we get to the postseason. So there's a really good chance that the Wild, with Flurry uh, and the other moves that they've made, could win two rounds. So that, that could easily be a first for Chicago. And I, uh, the Kyle Davidson, who's the, the new general manager for the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, he, he, he kind of came off as a bit of an alpha today. Uh, I guess Kyle Dubas, the general manager for Tor uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, kind of voices displeasure. He said, yeah, I'm not certain how our talks with uh, Chicago were leaked. And, you know, I'll, I'll let, uh, you know, you'll have to ask, uh, you know, Kyle Davidson about that. When Davidson was asked about those comments, he said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Uh, I, Kyle's going to have a, we'll have a chat about that. <laughs> he just kind of came, I was like, uh, yeah, listen, don't, uh, don't start, uh, you know, don't get snar snarky with me. So I thought that was kind of cool, but uh, Chicago in general, uh, you know, there was the, the, the Hagel trade a few days ago uh, where Hagel was traded to, to the lightning. You know, they've gotten quite a few assets over the past few days, a team that was rebuilding. And then they decided, Hey, we're not rebuilding anymore. We're going to go out and, and sign Seth Jones um, and, uh, now they decided they're rebuilding again. So we'll see what happens there, but yeah, Lauren, uh, a lot of really impact moves that you highlighted there. And, and yeah, for Boston, the supposedly they, they were talking with Arizona as well about Jacob Chikrin. Um, you know, he, he was definitely, uh, the top defenseman said to be available, even though it didn't quite make sense. I think we all kind of shared the sentiment. It didn't really make sense with him signed for another couple of years for Arizona to make him available. And as it turns out, he was not available. He did not move today. So 
Um, you know, th there were a couple of other defensemen moved. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But Mike, I wanted to hear from you. Uh, you know, what were some of your takeaways from you know, these past few days of trades, but specifically today in general? So a couple of the, the moves that I think I'd like to talk about sort of illustrate the points that I made in, in some of our previous shows and show where I think certain teams see themselves. So I'll start with the, um, the few days ago with the Florida Panthers and the trade for Shabbat. Um, I think on the last show, when we, when we previewed the trade deadline, I said that one of the teams I was really looking at was Florida trying to strengthen their back end, right? Strengthen the blue line. They're a team that scores over four goals a game. They have, you know, half a dozen uh, players with over 30 points this year. Um, and, you know, but they, they're in a shootout every night because they can't stop the puck. I think they didn't get great value for Shabbat. And like, I, I prefer guys like Chicken or, um, you know, Lindholm who we, who the Bruins got, but it just showed that they're in that let's get a rental. Let's get someone on the back end who can help us uh, make a push and prove me right and end up in the Stanley cup this year. So it made sense to me, but it wasn't, you know, I feel like they, they reached, there was a lot of reaches this year and it's, and again, I always compare it to other things. That's, that's what I've seen in NFL free agency too, right? Where you see all of these overpays and teams just like going for it right now. And then other teams that sit back. So like the Bruins who sat back and they addressed their most pressing need. They got a top four guy. They immediately extended him. And that was, you know, a lot of the reaction right after the trade was what an overpay, you know, and I got really frustrated with people because uh, I thought it was a good trade especially I think this is one of those trades that I think uh, was perfect for both sides. And Lauren actually had a piece on Nesson.com that everyone should read about how this was a really good trade for both sides because the ducks weren't keeping Lynn home past this year. The, they got a good return, young players, a bunch of picks for, um, for a star and the Bruins got their star who they were who they were immediately able to extend. We could talk, we'll talk maybe in a different episode about the, you know, the price that they paid in, in the term, you know, it's a long, it's a long deal with a pretty big AAV, but overall you have between Chucky Brightlights and, and Lindholm, you have that core set for quite a while now. So I really like the move from the Bruins, but then in not moving for a top six guy, it frustrated me a little bit, but it showed where, where Don Sweeney thinks they are right now. And on either last episode or the one before, when we talked about um, Jake DeBrusque, I said, he's not a guy you can move right now. You, you have him, you know, he's, he's cooled off a little bit since that episode, but here's a guy who can give you numbers through the, down the stretch run who can produce in the playoffs. And you don't just make a trade just to make a trade. And you don't make a trade and do what Pittsburgh did and overpay for someone like Raquel, who I absolutely love and who will be a free agent in the off season, you know, and you, but you don't sell out your future for that. The Bruins, everyone always talks about the Bruins window closing, but they are refilling their, their uh, prospects. They have a future. They have a strong future, especially now with the defensive core strengthened. So I think it was, I think it was smart that they didn't really make a big move. Um, a couple of other things that I would just point out. I also like Lauren said, I like what um, the quietness of Stevie Y basically getting rid of Letty. He got a nice return. He got 
on ice talent and picks. So that's always nice. Uh, teams like the Ducks, the Ducks sold off a lot of their high priced um, players who weren't going to resign, but they still have that young core and they are loaded with prospects and picks now. And even Montreal, uh, I think, you know, they uh, offloaded Shabbat for, for picks and for, and for prospects. And they, they're just, they're, these are these teams that are like quietly going to have like dozens and dozens of early round picks in the next couple of seasons. And it could be a whole new league by 2024, 2025. Yeah. Very well said, Mike. And, and yeah, listen, with, when it comes to Boston specifically, First and foremost, let me get this out of the way. Uh, for anyone who follows me on, on Twitter, social media, uh, I did manifest Hampus Lindholm to Boston. I, I put it out there into the universe. Uh, I, I, I said that they were going to acquire him. I devoted my mental energy to it, and it happened. So uh, not, I'm never one to pat myself on, on the back. I've never done that before, um, but I'll do it now. Uh, so, uh, But yeah, th- that, was, that was really the start of the Kevin Weeks experience. Uh, that was the first video we got from him was him breaking uh, the Lindholm trade while getting a haircut, like literally in the barber's chair. Uh, breaks the trade and just like disappears. No one heard from him. And everyone is on Twitter saying, what's the return? What did they give up? And no one could figure it out for at least 45 minutes, what the Bruins given up. But Kevin Weeks just kind of did like a mic drop. I thought that was, that was tremendous. But when it, yeah, that was a fantastic return, uh, you know, that the Ducks got for, for Lindholm. But at the same time, Boston doesn't give up too much either. Like you pointed out with the piece that Lauren wrote, it's, it's great for both sides. You know, if you're the Ducks, you get a first and two seconds. Fantastic. Uh, you know, that, that, that's great on its surface. You also get uh, Erho Vakanainen, who uh, was really starting to come into his own uh, as a defenseman before. Unfortunately, uh, his head was caved in by Yanni Gord. Uh, I was at that game. It was disappointing. To, and, you know, he has missed 14 out of the last 16 games uh, since then. But he was really starting to come into his own uh, legitimate NHL defenseman. So they have a young asset there. You know, they're only tied to John Moore uh, for one more year at 2.75. Uh, he can be a good complimentary defenseman. Uh, shout out to, uh, to Lauren, uh, former co-worker Logan, who is uh, the biggest John Moore fan on the face of the earth. Um, you know, he can be a complimentary defenseman for them. But even if he is not useful, they only have him for one more year. So they, they get some good assets there. And from Boston's perspective, you get rid of the Moore contract, which they had, they were forced to stash him uh, in Providence for, uh, for, you know, intermittently to avoid his, uh, you know, dealing with that cap hit. Uh, Vakanainen is a good player, but with the Bruins with three, soon to be four primo left shot defensemen, there's really not room for him. Uh, So, you know, a good player, but, you know, you move on and, you know, the picks are not as much, uh, you know, they don't sting as badly when you're able to get rid of the more contract and when you're able to extend Lindholm for eight years. And to your point, Mike, you know, I know this isn't a Bruins podcast, but I think it's worth noting these takes that you see from people about the Bruins window closing doesn't make any sense because yes, we understand that the Patrice Bergeron is nearing the end of his career. Bruins fans are biting their fingernails, uh, hoping that he returns next season, by the way, he will. Um, putting that out to the universe as well. But besides that, you have a, a rookie goaltender, you know, young goaltender on, on, on a uh, on our entry-level contract. You have two top-tier defensemen signed up for the next eight years. 
as well as Grizzlick and Brandon Carlo also signed young defenseman signed uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, you have David Pasternak, who you will need to extend coming up, but I believe that you will be able to, and he's still 25 years old. Uh, there, there is plenty of reason to believe that Boston continue, can continue to contend in the near future. So this idea that uh, the, you know, the show's ending for them is just incorrect. I don't understand that whatsoever. But yeah, it, there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of impact moves, and I specifically wanted to touch uh, myself on the Seattle Kraken. Because when you want to talk about asset accumulation, the Seattle Kraken, I was worried that they weren't going to have enough players to field a team by, uh, by the end of today, because uh, between trading Mark Giordano uh, yesterday to Toronto, uh, they traded Mason Appleton back to the, the Winnipeg Jets. They traded Marcus Johansson uh, back to the Washington Capitals. They were trading a lot of players back to their previous teams, uh, which was interesting. It's almost like they, they took them in the expansion draft with almost the expectation that, Hey, we'll flip them back to you for an asset down the road. Not a bad strategy. Uh, but after all the moves that Seattle made, they have now, I believe 34 picks, maybe 35 picks over the next three drafts. That's a lot of draft picks. They're about to really, really stock their, uh, their prospect pipeline. So even though, you know, Seattle fans are probably a little frustrated that they have not had the very uh, you know incredible start that Vegas had when they were an expansion team you know this is a more normal path for an expansion franchise you're not very competitive initially but uh, you're able to uh, you know you have cap space you have uh, draft picks you have young players uh, so you know it may take three four years but the future is definitely bright for Seattle um, I do want to you know get people's final thoughts on uh, on you know any uh, you know trade that really stuck sticks out to them but before I do that I do need to, to visit our very sad resident Flyers fan, Haley. And let's, let's kind of recap the whole Claude Giroux situation before we get Haley's thoughts. So as, you know, as everyone knows, uh, you know, it's been said for, uh, for you know, a little bit that Claude Giroux was uh, going to be dealt by the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the Flyers uh, you know, are not going to make the playoffs this year, so they wanted to do right by their, their longtime captain and send him to a contender. There was no official word on exactly who his suitors were over the past couple of weeks, but from you know what had, has been kind of trickling out, it looks like Boston, uh, the New York Rangers, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Florida Panthers were kind of the main suitors who were reaching out, uh, trying to obtain the services of Claude Giroux. And because Claude Giroux had a no-movement clause and also the Flyers wanted to do right by him, uh, you know, this was basically a where will you accept the trade to, uh, you know, where, you know, where would you prefer ultimately to waive your no movement clause for? Uh, and once we know that we will, uh, you know, we'll make a, a deal happen with this team. Supposedly Claude Giroux vetoed uh, trades to the Boston Bruins, and the New York Rangers. Um, I don't know specifically what um, his feedback was when it came to the Boston Bruins, but specifically to the New York Rangers, as a longtime flyer, he basically just refused to suit up for the New York Rangers, which I think I, you know, much respect uh, for for uh, uh, for that. And I think it ultimately came down to uh, the Avalanche and the Florida Panthers, but it was the Panthers that uh, Claude Giroux ultimately wanted to go to, and because of that, the return was not quite as much. So I wanted to hear from Haley because obviously the intent here is to do right by your captain. 
uh, send him exactly where he wants to go. But, you know, do you think the Flyers might be a bit miffed here that Giroux didn't cast a little bit more of a wide net? Like, I, you know, okay, I'll accept uh, a trade to Boston, Colorado, or Florida, whatever, what, you know, have them compete, whatever the best offer is, that's where I'll go. Uh, you know, or do you think it's like, okay, you know what, this is where he wants to go, regardless uh, if we don't get that much of a return, uh, we'll send him here. Because supposedly Boston had a better offer on the table than what Florida eventually gave up. Yeah, uh, I think it's more of the second because, like you said earlier, he just hit 1,000 games with the Flyers. Like he's given most of his career to the Flyers. And, you know, has it always been great? No, but he is loved in Philadelphia. And I think uh, you kind of have to honor him a little by doing that, like letting him choose. And he wasn't going to go somewhere that he didn't feel like was an absolute contender. Boston definitely is, but, you know, maybe he had other reasons for not wanting to go to Boston, but I was not surprised by the Panthers. I think that was a good move for him. You know, he, he doesn't have a cup and he's trying to figure out how is he going to get there? You know, how many years does he have left to play? And so I think it was pretty cool of the Flyers to really not get that much in return to allow him to go to a contender. But at the same time as a Flyers fan, I'm like, what are you doing? We already suck so bad. Like, why are you not trying to make the team better while also helping him out? But in the end, I'm happy for him. And I'm happy that hopefully the Flyers maybe can add some younger talent and and try to get somewhere near the playoffs because who knows? I mean, it's just, it's been a while. We need to see some playoff games. Yeah. And uh, so now because the Florida Panthers are, no long-standing rival to the Philadelphia Flyers. Are you on that bandwagon for the rest of the season, Hales? Is that is that the team you want to see go all the way? Uh, no, I am a secondary Boston fan, so Boston will definitely be uh, my choice when it comes to the Cup. And then after that, maybe Lawrence Abs. Okay, so uh, despite Laura, uh, Haley's affinity for uh, for Claude Giroux. Uh, Really, uh, he, he might be like third in the pecking order in terms of uh, rooting interest for getting a cup. I respect that, Hales. Um, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to root for him to lose. Kind of like when Tom Brady left the Patriots. Right. I'm not going to root for you to lose necessarily. But at the same time, you know, obviously, if the Flyers are playing them, I want the Flyers to win. But I already kind of had a, a um, what do you call it? A soft spot in my heart for the Boston. So they got to go for them. So I, I definitely want to ask Lauren and Mike about this, but I'll, I'll stay with you first, Haley. Uh, so I don't know. Did you see any of, I know trade, you know, trades in general, keeping up with all the trades is, are not your thing, but did you happen to see all these videos from Kevin Weeks where he was uh, you know, dropping these videos, uh, breaking the news of different uh, trades based from a different location every time? Did you, did you see those videos? And if so, did you have a favorite in particular? I did not see any of them. I was, not on social media um, today due to work being a little crazy. We have what's called um, an impound lot. It's an evidence storage for like fatality type vehicles or vehicles that have to do with a crime. And somebody cut a hole in our fence and was inside of it. So it was a crazy Monday. Um, I, I really didn't see any of the videos, so I can't tell you which one's my favorite but I enjoyed your story earlier about you know breaking news and then just being like okay bye I'll come back in 45 minutes 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, people do work during the day. Uh, they don't have the luxury of uh, just staying glued to Twitter like I do. Uh, hopefully my boss isn't listening. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it's, I, it, it has been just an absolute revelation. Uh, Kevin Weeks was already a great follow in general because he is someone who is very plugged in. Uh, he gets details and he usually he'll just kind of, uh, he'll, he'll send it out there uh, very quietly. He's not known as like one of the top news breakers, but uh, at this trade deadline is when he became an absolute star and he incorporated the video and he was, he was picking up on the fact that everyone was loving them. And then he started, uh, you know, he, you know, tagged John Butchie Gross and he like did a video next to some chicken parm, which is Butchie Gross thing. So, uh, you know, weeks started hamming up a little bit. So as we wrap up our discussion here on, on the trade deadline, I wanted to go to, uh, to both Lauren and Mike and, uh, and, you know, can you, you know, leave us with, a trade that you ha- that we have not kind of mentioned yet that you think might be a little bit of an under the radar uh, move, and what was your favorite Kevin Weeks video of uh, of this uh, deadline? So Lauren, we'll start with you. Uh, my favorite Kevin Weeks video is the one when he was inside that bucket, and I can't remember what the context was. I would think I was just too mesmerized by him like breaking news and a with his head in a bucket. Um, they were all so funny and it's funny because he's doing his job and he's making like, he's kind of buying into the whole, like, Oh, I broke news while getting a haircut thing. I'm just going to keep running with it to give it more life than just what, you know, Pierre Lebron or Elliot Friedman, when they just kind of tweet the news, like he's doing something a little more outside the box. So that was really, really fun. That was, I think that one's definitely my, my favorite video of his, um, and I think maybe one trade we didn't talk about, maybe something that didn't happen was the Edmonton Oilers not getting a goalie. They desperately need goaltending help and they just decided to say, no, thank you. Yeah. Again, Marc-Andre Fleury was willing to move. And for what seems like the, the nth year in a row, uh, the Edmonton Oilers just have not shown any, interest in adding an impact goalie like Marc-Andre Fleury, especially again in this market where, you know, teams, even if you don't have uh, the most cap space, there's workarounds, you know, this isn't the NFL where people do uh, some crazy uh, magic with the salary cap, but, you know, teams can retain salary usually for, um, you know, a, a little bit of a sweetener in return. Maybe you give a little bit of a draft pick if the team will retain, you know, half of a player's salary uh, for the rest of the season. So, uh, you know, there are ways for the Edmonton Oilers who you know, didn't have the most amount of cap space to acquire Flurry or another goaltender, and they just didn't do it. So, yeah, I agree, Lauren. I don't understand this team. And again, I've put it out there into the universe that I think they won't make the playoffs. Uh, they're in a playoff spot right now, but you know, there's still a month left. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Uh, you know, favorite Kevin Weeks video uh, from this trade deadline experience, and then, you know, a move that uh, maybe went under the radar that, uh, that you think could make an impact. So for Kevin Weeks, I actually, it was funny because the haircut thing, I, I was out at the same time. I wasn't on social media. And then I had some friends texting me like um, about the Hampus Lindholm trade. And then, so I immediately went to Twitter and saw people saying like, Oh, they made a trade while, while like during a haircut or something like that. And I was thinking, much like me, someone was like, oh my God, how could you do this while I was getting a haircut? I didn't realize it was the guy who broke the trade <laughs> was in the barber chair. So that was that was definitely my favorite Kevin Weeks moment, not just because uh, of the Bruins, but then everything since then has just been 
hilarious as well. It's like way to capitalize on your star being on the rise and like just striking while the iron's hot. There were so many trades. I'm trying to remember. I, 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 I like the Giordano move for Toronto. They always have defensive problems, especially in the spring. Um, the Yankrock trade for the Flames, I think is one of those underrated depth moves that you always seem to see teams, um, you know, I mean, they obviously have, they made the, they made their big move earlier when they got Tyler Toffoli, who has been absolutely lights out for them out there in Calgary. So, you know, sometimes we forget about the earlier in the season trades when the trade deadline's happening, but getting a nice depth score like Yonkrok, I think that was a good move as well. So those would be my two. I think Mark Giordano, a rent-a-player for Toronto, and then um, Yonkrok out in, in Calgary. Yeah, well said, Mike. Uh, as for myself, so the Kevin Weeks experience in general, I, I did mention kind of my favorite already was him incorporating the the chicken parm, um, and he, he he was like incorporating his uh, you know, his, some of his um, his coworkers. Uh, you know, he he had Ryan Callahan um, over at ESPN come on and do a video with him. Uh, he also he did one final video, like it looked like he was uh, in bed, uh, like he he literally like he was like under the covers, like you know tired after a long day of breaking trades. But I also like the way that fans uh, were having fun with this. This is exactly what hockey needs. You had people on social media. There was a hilarious video that I retweeted earlier of it was the 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 very famous portal scene from uh, Spider Man No Way Home where. Uh, you know, uh, Spider-Man's friend Ned is trying to, you know, find Peter Parker and he opens up a portal and in the actual movie, spoiler alert, Tobey Maguire walks through the original Spider-Man, but uh, a, a hockey fan instead uh, superimposed Kevin Weeks uh, into the portal. And so Kevin Weeks emerges and goes, hey, NHL fans, hope you're doing well. It's Weeksy here. And I lost it. I thought it was hilarious video. So like fans were kind of making their own. Uh, there was like a, a someone photoshopped him into bikini bottom uh, like uh, you're breaking a trade from uh, SpongeBob. So uh, if that was my favorite part of this deadline is that fans like, this is what the NHL needs, you know, like, uh, and the NHL, thankfully, you know, cause we, we talked about how they, you know, couldn't poke fun at themselves after the Kodak black um, you know, thing uh, in the suite in, um, in Florida, but the NHL tweeted out a video about, you know, all of the, 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 you know, the trade videos that Kevin Weeks have been dropping. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Uh, you know, th thank you for having fun with something and, and, you know, getting fans engaged and, you know, kind of driving engagement. Like that's what you need to do. So I was, that was my favorite part of the week's experience was, uh, you know, was seeing that happen uh, and people really having fun with it on social. As for a trade that I think uh, is a little under the radar uh, and it's, sparked a little bit out of jealousy because I, this is a player I wanted the Bruins to acquire. Um, but Andrew Kopp going to the New York Rangers, uh, that's someone who I thought could have uh, really slid into the Bruins second line very well. Uh, maybe they could have moved Eric Howla elsewhere and, and really, you know, bolstered uh, their scoring attack. Instead he goes to New York and, you know, after seeing the return, it's definitely not a price I would have paid if I were the Bruins. Um, but, uh, essentially what the New York Rangers gave up was a second round pick that could become a first if, uh, you know, similar to the conditions that the, the wild, uh, had in the Marc-Andre Fleury trade. If they, if the Rangers win two rounds and make the conference final, that, uh, becomes a first round pick going to Winnipeg, uh, as well as a second round pick that is of Winnipeg's choosing. So Winnipeg can choose to take, uh, the Rangers second rounder, you know, it, like theoretically they could choose, uh, if that second round pick becomes a first. 
uh, Winnipeg could then choose, okay, we also want your second rounder this year, um, or they can have their second rounder in 23. So theoretically, if the Rangers do well enough in the playoffs uh, and Andrew Kopp, you know, logs playing time, uh, the Rangers might have to give up their first two picks in this draft. A bit of a, that's a bit of a hefty price. Uh, so I like it almost a little bit better from Winnipeg's perspective uh, than I do New York. But, you know, in, you know, when you get past the price they paid, he's going to fit in real well in New York. So the Rangers are a team that they, you know, especially they get great goaltending as well. They have good defense that, you know, that's a team that can definitely make some noise. So, I mean, that's my takeaway from the trade deadline is that other than Washington, all these teams got better. Uh, all Washington did was get a little bit older and they're already a very, fairly old roster. So uh, I think that all these teams in the East, uh, they all have a shot. They really do. You know, everyone addressed some needs, you know, you know, Boston did not address all their needs, but they addressed a big one. Uh, so it, I am really, really excited more so than usual for the Stanley cup playoffs. Cause especially in the East, you know, there was a lot of uh, really good uh, you know, wheeling and dealing going on. But our final topic before we wrap things up for the evening, again, as we mentioned earlier, we're going back over to the PHF. Uh, we have the Isabel cup playoffs this weekend uh, over in Tampa. So I wanted to go around to each of my line mates and uh, see if they had uh, any particular prediction uh, for how this weekend is going to go uh, as well as, you know, maybe a player who uh, we think is going to stand out spoiler alert. We know Mike's going to say Ali Thunstrom. Um, but uh, Lauren, we'll start with you first. Uh, you know, you know, Isabel cup playoffs this weekend. Uh, it's going to be again, televised. It, it should be a really entertaining weekend. Uh, what are you looking to, uh, to get out of, uh, out of it? And, you know, who do you think comes out on top? Uh, it's going to be a lot of really, really good hockey. I think that all these teams, this season have shown flashes of a lot of, a lot of dominance. Um, I do think that the Connecticut whale, as much as it pains me to say something nice about Connecticut is they're going to come out on top. I think they're extremely talented. They are, are just an absolute force. Um, but I do obviously I love the pride and they've, they're the reigning champs. They're going to go for Isabel cup number three. Um, but I think you're, you know, this is maybe an easy go-to answer, but I do think Jillian Dempsey is going to play some of her best hockey. You know, she is getting older and it makes you wonder when she's going to call it quits. So I want to see the absolute best and most dominant hockey from her in Florida. And I think we're going to. Yeah, very well said, Lauren. And, and yeah, the Connecticut whale and the Toronto six have basically been world beaters all season long. Uh, you know, the, the whale finished up at 15, uh, five and two, uh, for 47 points. Uh, the six finished up 16 and four, uh, for 46 points. Uh, so, uh, you know, after that you have the pride, uh, you know, two time Isabel cup champions. Uh, so they, you know, they're hanging around for a, a, a potential three Pete. And, you know, after that you have, uh, you know, the riveters, white caps and buttes all with losing records. So, the expectation is that you're going to see, you know, the whale, the six or the pride uh, end up uh, on top after this weekend. Um, Hales, I want to go to you next. Uh, you know, who do you think is going to end up uh, taking home the Isabel Cup this weekend? And, uh, you know, how, how excited are you to see some hockey? Oh, Lauren stole a lot of my answers. So I'm going to change a, a few of them. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm very excited. I cannot wait for a weekend of women's hockey. I mean, the Isabel Cup last year being televised, you know, that was amazing to be able to watch on tv so i cannot wait i'm gonna make sure to plan my entire weekend around isabel cup playoffs um as for 
the cup, I do have to stick with um, what Lauren said with Connecticut. I think that they've just been dominant all, all year long. And I'm not going to count out Boston though, because I feel like Boston in the playoffs is going to be even more than the Boston we see in, in regular playing. Sorry. I just got text from my mom that there's a tornado on the ground about a one city over from me. Um, sorry about the pause there. And so I'm not going to count Boston out, but I, I really do think that the Connecticut has been pretty dominant all year. I, I really would think of it as an upset if they don't win the cup as for the player, um, somebody that I've seen a lot of this season, Madison Packer, I've seen a lot of her name. Um, she, I feel like we will see a good play from her as well. And I'm going to Google this tornado now. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, see where it's uh, headed. Yeah. Let's, let's hope that tornado is not heading any, anywhere towards you. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Um, you know, who, who do you think is really going to stand out in these Isabel cup playoffs and who comes out on top? Okay. So I have a lot of thoughts and Allie Thunstrom definitely will be represented, but she's not the main, my main point. So I, I have to look into how, how the, um, how are they doing it? Cause there's six teams, all teams are invited. And are, do we know, are they, are, is there a buy in the first round? I believe the top two seeds for the top buy. two. Yeah. All right. So what hurts then in, in my mind is that the Boston pride just got worked by the Buttes. Who's the, you know, the last, the Boston pride is third, the Buttes are six. So then, you know, you'd have the three, six matchup. That's not ideal because while the Buttes have had a really difficult season, they did just sweep the pride over the weekend. Um, other than that, Toronto, Toronto was seemed like the runaway all season and then the last weekend of the season, they, in true Toronto hockey fashion, they fell out of first place and the Connecticut whale jumped ahead of them. So that's going to be huge for seeding. If they, if Toronto has to, has to face the pride who would be the, you know, the top remaining seed, if they do beat the Buttes, which they will, I am very confident that the pride will actually beat the Buttes as, as much as I'm giving them a hard time for ending the season on a low note. So instead of having to face the Riveters or um, or the Whitecaps, they're going to have to face the Pride, who knocked them out last year, who are their their nemesis. So it's it's just so classic Toronto, um, because now they're either going to have to face the Riveters or they're going to have to go against my girl Ali Thunstrom, who is a world beater. The so then my my thought will be it'll be the the six against the. Um, Pride and the Whitecaps against the um, Whale in the semis. Boston will move on. The Whale will move on. Kennedy Marchment, uh, 20 assists. What is it? 13 goals. So 33 points led the, the PHF in goals this year. Absolutely fan. I'm sorry, not in goals. Allie Thunstrom led in goals. She led in total points. Um, so they'll face off in the, in the final. And while Connecticut has been an absolute wagon this year, my player to watch for the tournament, it's not Ali Thunstrom. It is Katie Burt, Katie Burt, who has been splitting time between the pipes in Boston, but ended the season with a 958 save percentage by far the best in the league. Um, a 1.41 goals against average by far the best in the league and great goalies play their best hockey in the playoffs and in the championships. 
Boston Pride, three-time Isabella Cup champs, back-to-back on the on the back of their goalie, Katie Burt. Well said, Mike. Well said. Uh, as anyone who's listened to this uh, podcast for a while knows, Mike and I are both goaltending enthusiasts. So I actually have another goalie uh, to, to highlight as part of uh, my you know, insight here. Uh, so listen, no one, especially on this show, dogs on Toronto hockey more than me. Uh, 99% of the time, it's the Maple Leafs. Uh, but I have gotten a couple digs in at the six uh, just because they are located in Toronto. However, however, the Toronto six are going to win the Isabel cup. That is my take. I am sticking to it. Uh, they have they had a little slide there at the end of the season as Mike referenced, but I believe that the six are going to get it together. I think they're going to play great hockey this weekend. And I believe they're going to win the Isabel cup on the back of Elaine Julie. Uh, she's had a fantastic season in net. Uh, a 182 goals against uh, average, a 930 save percentage. So very eye-popping. Uh, again, you know, those are Vezina quality numbers over in the NHL. Uh, she's had a fantastic year. Obviously, you also have uh, Soroya Tinker on defense. Uh, you have uh, Michaela Grant-Mentis uh, with, you know, 13 goals and 30 points, uh, you know, leading their offensive attack. They're very well balanced. Uh, I think that the six are going to get it together. I think they're going to have a great weekend of hockey, and I believe they're going to win the Isabel Cup. So. We all have different uh, different takes out there. Uh, Lauren and, uh, and and Hales agree, of course, but um, yeah, we have uh, we have some different takes. So I'm uh, I'm really uh, it's going to be a good uh, weekend of hockey. We'll see who gets the bragging rights. Um, so with that being said, that is going to do it for today's episode. I did want to go around to each of uh, my line mates and uh, and have them share any empty netters for us before we wrapped up uh, the episode. So. Lauren, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts as we close tonight's episode? I just saw that John Moore got traded once again to Vegas. So shout out to Logan, who's just going to follow this man for the rest of his life. And now Logan is the uh, biggest Golden Knights fan. So shout out to him. Yeah, so there we go. So we, I made myself look like a fool, uh, not waiting for that final trade, I guess, to trickle through. Again, we're four and a half hours past the trade deadline and there's still deals being announced. That's nuts. So uh, John Moore does not uh, stay in Anaheim. He goes to the golden Knights. So we'll see if uh, he gets to end up playing postseason hockey as of right now, I'm not a sure thing, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Hales about yourself, any empty net or any closing thoughts for us as we wrap up this episode? I just want to say that um, one of our FTF members, Carly is supposed to be on the road to pick up her husband from the airport in Austin. So just hoping that she stays safe with the kind of weird weather that we're getting. It looks pretty sunny right now, but that could just be a pause in the storm. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's make sure that, uh, that the weather stays good over there. Some good vibes. Uh, hopefully that we, uh, we don't see any, uh, anything bad happen, um, you know, with this tornado, especially to our, our wonderful FTF members and their loved ones. Mike, about yourself, any empty net or closing thoughts as we wrap up this episode? So I'm not able to watch the Bruins game tonight because it's on NHL network, which I, for some reason don't have, but which also means it's blacked out on the ESPN plus, but just, I, I was looking at who would have thought that post trade deadline, you would have a first line of Brad Marchand, Stadnika and DeBrusque starting for the Bruins the night after the, uh, the trade deadline. So that's, that was pretty interesting and four alternate captains tonight. So that's, that's always nice to see. And the 
little ball of hate, the pest himself, Brad Marchand opening the scoring in that game to a chorus of boos uh, from Habs fans. So all is right in the world. Uh, so, uh, as for myself, I did want to uh, you know, just, just share that it's looking like it's not going to happen when we wanted to see it as Boston Bruins fans, but it looks like we could see a return to the National Hockey League and to the Boston Bruins for David Krejci. Uh, unfortunately, he has decided, even with his uh, Czech team eliminated from uh, the playoffs over there, that he is going to remain at home with family, not playing, but uh, remain at home, which I think is great. Good for him uh, being able to spend extended time with family. Um, but it has been reported that uh, he could look to make a return to the National Hockey League next season. And if he does, the only team he is willing to play for is the Boston Bruins. Not a huge development, uh, obviously, that, you know, you wouldn't think that he'd be like, yeah, after, you know, X amount of years, let me go play for Toronto. That seemed like it'd be fun. Obviously, if he wants to go back to the NHL, it would be with Boston, but uh, it looks like it's on the table. So even though he will not be able to help in a Stanley Cup run this year, uh, playoff Krejci could be eventually making its return to Boston April 2023. So mark your calendars, folks. Uh, so I did want to go around to each of my line mates and have them share with our listeners where they can be found online. So uh, Hales, we'll start with you. Uh, please stay safe uh, in, in that weather, but also, uh, you know, where can all of our listeners uh, find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CSI Haley and on TikTok at CSI Haley 91. You can follow along with two shows that I co-host, which is Fierce and Flawed at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter, Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram, and Gridiron Girls, which is at Girls Gridiron on Twitter, Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram. Make sure you're following at For the Fans Media on all of the above, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, ForTheFansMedia.com so that you can keep up to date with any blogs, video blogs, and subscribe to each and every podcast. I know that my mom's video blog, fully baked. There's going to be a new episode coming up pretty quick. Yeah, I did see that uh, fully baked will be making a return. So very excited for that. Hoping to get a lot more content on uh, for the fans soon as well. Thank you so much. Hales. Another person who does a lot of things and we found a lot of places, Lauren, who suddenly has a sport to talk about again. So I guess my my you know goal to eventually come on Locked on Red Sox to talk about MVP Baseball 2005 will never happen. Uh, but Lauren, you have baseball to talk about again. Where can you people find you to, to hear Red Sox uh, content and where else can they find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at la 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 Lauren, three laws, Lauren with four R's. You can find all of my written work on Nesson.com. We just wrapped up a week of trade deadline stuff, previews, winners and losers trade targets so that was a lot of fun doing that and now of course there's tons of Red Sox stuff because they decided to put their differences aside and start playing again so uh, Nesson.com tons of stuff over there and you can hear me hosting the Nesson Bruins pod once a week as well as the Lockdown Red Sox podcast Monday through Friday now we're back five days a week so because now we have stuff to talk about so it's going to be a lot of fun for the the next six months seven months i don't know what month we're in anymore yeah the the days all roll together and now that baseball is going to be back you can just say hey it's baseball season whenever someone asks you you know what you know what time is it when is it uh it's it's baseball season so in, in like you know two weeks that, that you can make that uh that reply uh mike how about yourself where can all of our listeners find you online 
You can find me trolling the price that the Pittsburgh Penguins paid for uh, Ricard Raquel on Twitter at Mike Roderick SD. I also tweet about the how fun and exciting and interesting it is to be a public defender. And I will be all over the PHF uh, Isabel Cup this weekend. Uh, again, that's Mike Ro- at Mike Roderick. Roderick is R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K. Uh, and then SD on Twitter. Yeah. Um, Mike always uh, is always a fun follow. And, uh, and of course, very appreciated his contributions here on, uh, on Snipe and Selly as well. As for myself, I can be found online at Mark Pacelli 13. That is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. You can find me there, you know, willing sports transactions into existence. Not only did I do that with uh, the Lindholm train, I also did it with Trevor Story to the Boston Red Sox and then Trent Brown returning to the New England Patriots. So apparently right now I have a superpower. I'm going to try and ride the wave. You know, maybe I should try and win Powerball. That'd probably be a better uh, way to go about it. But regardless, give me a follow and uh, we can chat about sports all day long. That is going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you all so much once again for listening. We appreciate all of you. Please share Snipe and Sally with the hockey fan in your life. And until the next time we all get together, enjoy the action on the ice, everybody. 